0: Hello and welcome to the Tillage Edge with me, Michael Hennessy. This is your regular update for all your tillage news and advice. Last week, Chagas hosted the Winter Crops Agronomy Update webinar, which covered the management needs of winter barley, winter wheat and oilseed seed rape for the coming weeks. Advisors from around the country highlighted crops at different growth stages and how best to manage these crops over the coming weeks. The webinar took questions live from attendees who tuned in and these were answered by the expert panel. It's worth listening to this question and answer session again, as the information given was very relevant for the coming weeks. The first section covered winter barley agronomy, and Kieran Collins, a tillage specialist in Chagas, posed the questions to the panel. Kieran first introduced the panel and then asked the first question around the management of conventional and hybrid barleys.
1: I think the only place to start, Mark Trimble posed a question, lads, in, um, in Kildalton. He had a uh, six row hybrid on one side of him and he had a two row uh, conventional variety, Valerie on on his other side. And I suppose the question Mark had is, um, do we treat these varieties the same or should management be different throughout the season? So I suppose, Richie, I might start with
2: you. Um, I know you've done some work in in this area. Yeah, we've compared the hybrids with the conventional six rows and and two rows. And generally what we found that there's no great difference in terms of how you would approach managing uh, them. Uh, you would basically take each variety, irrespective of what, what it is, whether it's a hybrid or a six row, and manage it, as in, it as its own, in its own right. Uh, in terms of nitrogen, we've compared, you know, looking at early and late nitrogen on, um, on the two rows and hybrid six rows and conventional six rows, and we couldn't find any consistent difference in terms of when you would start your nitrogen program on them. Uh, I know some of my colleagues, uh, former student Rob Beatty and John Spink would have looked at them in terms of, uh, you know, uh, fung- fungicide inputs, and, and they would have generally found that there's no difference uh, between, no consistent difference between the hybrids and uh, the, the non-hybrid varieties. Uh, so I suppose in su- to sum it all up, it's, you take each variety on its own merits and, and treat it uh, accordingly. I suppose one thing about the, the hybrids is that some of them tend to be a little bit earlier developing, developing than say the, the conventional varieties. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, thanks, Richie. So you, you treat each variety as you say on its on its own merits, its individual characteristics, rather than whether it's a a hybrid or or a conventional. And Richie, while, while I have you there, I suppose you you did mention nitrogen, and I suppose it's it's a topic for debate every year, where people say you know. We see the first signs of growth there coming from the middle, the end of February. And when should I go with my first nitrogen? Maybe you might just comment there on, on that one.
2: Yeah, again, that's a question that we've done a lot of uh, trials on over the years. And certainly if you put nitrogen on, say, in, in February compared to the, the middle of March, uh, the, the crop that gets the nitrogen in February will always look better Um, in you know, in March, April and in, into May than the one that gets where you held off the nitrogen until March but when it comes to yield uh, there's very little difference so um, uh, I think the advice would be that there's there's no mad panic to get out with nitrogen in in February and certainly not under the current conditions, soil temperatures are after dropping considerably the last few days and it's quite a wet weekend forecast so I wouldn't be in any rush out but you know towards the the end of February, early March that's probably uh, when you need to start thinking about uh, nitrogen particularly on, on barley
1: Okay, perfect. Thanks, thanks, Richie. And I suppose Michael, maybe just to come to you, based maybe a little bit further south, I might just ask, maybe just to comment on on your your view of how winter barley is looking. Michael
3: was establishment good. Has it wintered well? Maybe. Yeah, for the most part, it has, Kieran. Um, <clears throat> the earlier sown crops are probably that bit more advanced than the later sown crops. I know down here, you know, the later it went into October. Conditions were a bit heavier and harder going. So, you know, but for the most part crops are, are, are looking well. Um there's no hunger appearing yet in any crops, you know. Um you know we've seen over the years that when you hit February you get the the first yellows start coming. But I always tend to look at the the overlaps of where you know where the drill would overlap and headlands and they're the first places you'll see for that kind of nitrogen deficiency to start coming up but it's not it's not showing yet and nor is they're showing manganese um in fairness crops crops are looking good Uh, can i just come to richie's point there with the the the, the nitrogen timing um i I'd, i'd have a lot of farmers down here that would be you know very much promoters of the early nitrogen um but last year we had a wet february so there was very little opportunity to to get out with early nitrogen. A lot of nitrogen didn't go out on crops until March. And it made no difference at all to deals yields of early. We still had some very, very good yields of early last year. So that early nitrogen timing, you know, it, it, it brings out a great green in the crop in, in early March. But that's that's about as much as it ever does in, in my book. Now, unless you have a an absolutely struggling crop that mm. you know, you could have tiller death or something like that. You know, we, we get it down here on the on the coastal areas where you have hard wind coming in off the sea that you could have tillers in trouble. Like that probably would be a scenario that where earlier earlier small bit of nitrogen would do uh, would have an effect. But okay. you know, yeah. to remember Thanks too, like to. crop isn't gonna take a lot of nitrogen early, like so
1: yeah. Very, very sensible advice there. Um, Shay. If I, if I can turn to you, we saw John Brophy was looking at weed control there. I think in general, I suppose most people got a chance to put, um, get some herbicide out on, on winter barley this year. Uh, we've got a question here, um, in cold conditions, what are the best broadleaf products to use? Maybe you, you might answer that one and maybe just maybe what maybe people might use in terms of tidy up, um, tidy up this spring uh, Shay.
4: Yeah, it's a very good question, Kieran, because um, I know there are guys out there who are kind of maybe struggling with with some weeds that have got through the system. Um, Maybe some guys didn't even get to spray um, prior to Christmas, and they might have a a nice bank of weeds there. Um, As a kind of a double-edged sword, I mean, if you're trying to control weeds in cold conditions, weeds aren't actively growing, so you don't tend to get as good a control with your herbicides as you do, when the weeds are actively growing. So... If you're looking at, depends on the weed spectrum you have, I suppose. If you're looking at, say, the likes of annual meadowgrass, <clears throat> I mean, there's very little control that you're going to achieve at this stage with the products that are there. I mean, if you look at the, your, your typical grass weed products that you're going to use, the kind of pendimetalin type products, at this stage, annual meadowgrass is going to be pretty strong and probably tittering at this stage. So you, while you might get some suppression um, or even with tolerant, you might get some suppression. You're probably not going to get um, full control so really and truly what you're looking at now for the vast majority of weeds that are there so the problem we'd said something like grounds or something that's come through are your your, your spring type herbicides so you're looking at likes of your cameo max type products are that um, Okay. other products that might be might be you know other you're looking at mainly your spring type products there that you know that you're that, that are going to control your, your weeds for you the one product i suppose that probably does work a little bit better in cooler conditions like is Zypar. Um, which probably will work that little bit better in cooler conditions. But again, it's about tailoring your product to the weed that's there. um, Figure out what weeds you need to control and then decide what strategy you need to go with. Um, And if that means that you're using those spring type SU herbicides, then you may wait until you get a bit of growth and a bit of kind conditions to, to, to apply. Okay,
1: Thank, thanks, Shay. And just before we leave Winter Barley, and, and we will have time at the end maybe to come back to, I, I have a few more questions here that we didn't get to, but Shay, just as you're on that topic, I suppose something that crops up every year is tank mixing in the spring. You know, you might have a tidy up on weeds, you might have growth regulator, maybe fungicide, you might just maybe a bit of advice on that one.
4: Yeah, it's, it, it's, it always is a bit of a struggle and it's a bit of a... Um, there's, you know, it can take an extra pass I think now is kind of the way I'm looking at it now. If you look at where some crops are at the moment, they might need trace elements, they might need a PGR in order maybe to manipulate tillers, they might need a tidy up of herbicides and they may also need a fungicide in March as well if, if you have a lot of net blotch or rink or something like that in the in the crop. Quite often guys try to put all that into one tank and I suppose you have to look at the, Uh, weather conditions we generally get in March, we kind of get, we can get large fluctuations in temperatures, day and nighttime temperatures in March. And that's a stress on the crop on its own. So if we throw in a whole heap of chemistry, five, six, seven-way mixes in on top of that crop that might already be stressed, you're going to stress it even more. And we've seen that in the last couple of years, whereby due to no other fault other than time pressures, guys were having to combine all these big tank mixes they do stress the crop and they can stress the crop if you get the wrong, wrong conditions at the wrong time. So okay. what you'll see, if, if any of you, and it's online at the moment, um, the cost returns booklet for this year. What we've done in that this year, Kieran, is we've actually added in another pass uh, in the cost returns booklet, just to kind of mirror that, whereby that kind of March April, early airport kind of control, where you're trying to control a couple of different things in the crop. We've kind of split those into two passes. So you might go on a PGR or something like that early on where you're trying to manipulate tillers, then come back in with a fungicide or a herbicide or whatever it is. And white loads has to come, into the, come in there as well. Okay. You know?
0: The next series of questions looks at managing winter oilseed rape for the coming weeks. Kieran first I asked a question around green area index in oilseed rape. And Shay, maybe you, I might throw
1: this one to you. Firstly, um, where do you get the app? And, and maybe just a very brief description. Veronica did it very well there, but just a summary of how to use it and the importance of the GAI, Shay.
4: Yeah, to start off with, Kieran, it's, it's a, an app developed in the UK by uh, being in conjunction with BASF. Um, it's available for iPhone users only. It's not available on the Google Play Store, as far as I know. Um, but if you go into a website there and just uh, Google, uh, green area index, you'll be able to calculate it off, off the BSF website or, or there are other websites there as well. So you'll be able to calculate it off that, input your photographs into it uh, and away you go. But it's very handy if you have an iPhone that you can do it there on, on, on in the field. Um, like Veronica says there, it gives you a good measure then of how much leaf is in the field and critically how much nitrogen is in the field. So as we know, uh, Oiltree rep stores the nitrogen in its leaves. So once those leaves are removed uh, as you could see in, in Martin's picture there, um, you're removing nitrogen, so you kind of have to top that up again. Um, so that's kind of that's kind of the Im- importance of it. It kind of gives you a good starting point for where you are at the moment, and it gives you a, a, a target as to where you need to go uh, at flowering at, at three and a half GAI. So it's a measure of the, as Veronica says, there's a measure of the area of leaf uh, on the on a meter square at that time.
1: Okay. Thanks. Thanks, Shea. A useful one that I kind of use as a GAI of of one is approximately fifty percent ground cover. I suppose it kind of gives mm-hmm. you gives you an idea. But the app is obviously very very useful. Um, there's a question here in relation to what's the panel's views on maybe using urea compared to to nitrogen for the early application on seed rape. Maybe Michael, I might I might put that one to you.
3: Yeah, I I wouldn't see a big issue, Kieran, especially if you have uh, conditions that are. Adjunctive to using urea um the one reservation i would have is if if you need to put on a lot of sulfur that's why we typically went with ASN and that you you'd you front loaded your sulfur on and i think that when it comes to urea products you know that you're, you you know i think some of the best them are offering about 7 78% sulfur um so you're not going to get enough sulfur there if, if if sulfur is your requirement i suppose that that would be my really own re- reservation mm-hmm. but as regards yeah. the nitrogen source here i i wouldn't see why why there be, would be an issue okay okay and richie I'm,
1: I'm i might come to you just on that sulfur one um we have a question here um if the gi is one and a half say or two when would the sulfur go on and maybe how would delaying it affect nutrient use efficiency
2: well, I suppose, first of all, if the crop is, is that advanced, it, it will have been getting sulfur anyway, and, and soils, obviously, will, unless you're on a very sandy soil, soils will, will be contributing quite a bit of, of sulfur to the crop. But I suppose in that case, when you're going with your first split, you would be looking at something like, like ASL to get on as much of the sulfur in your first nitrogen as possible, but I, I would be timing the application. Regarding nitrogen rather than sulfur, so when, when the crop actually needs the nitrogen rather than, than than the sulfur, in terms of how it affects NUE, uh, that the crop uses a sulfur with nitrogen. So if, if it doesn't need the nitrogen early, it doesn't need; it's not going to need a sulfur early either. So uh, as I say, the, the two of them are sort of inter interlinked in the in in the plant and how the plant metabolizes. Um, so it's 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 going to use the sulfur with the nitrogen, and and uh, so when it needs nitrogen, it'll need the sulfur. As well.
1: Okay thanks, thanks very much Richie and just to, can I just get on this one i not going to ask you what levels of nitrogen we'd have in the soil but this might be for people that don't have oil seed rape a relevant question as well in terms of what are the factors maybe that we'd be looking at in terms of, of soil nitrogen and, and what you know we could expect this spring?
2: Yeah, well, sure. I suppose the, the, the first thing that, that sort of dictates how much nitrogen a crop is going to get from the soil is, 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 is the soil type. So heavier soils will tend to give more than, than light light sandy soils. Next most important thing is organic matter, higher organic matter soils. So soils that are near grass are obviously going to give you a lot more nitrogen than soils that have been cultivated for many, many, many years. Uh, and then I suppose yeah, in terms of climate it's the amount of rain over winter. So if you have a lot of rain over the winter period on on, on winter crops, uh, winter sown area, you're you're going to lose a certain amount of the nitrogen that would have been in the soil. Um, this winter, is sort of part of December, was higher rainfall than normal. If I remember correctly, but the rest of the months have been sort of around about normal. So I, I I'd be expecting sort of normal levels of of uh, soil nitrogen uh, coming from coming from the crops. So I wouldn't be adding more nitrogen because I thought it was going to be less nitrogen. That could all change in the next couple of weeks, but at the minute, that would be what we would be thinking. Okay, thanks. Thanks, Richie.
1: Um, I might just do a final one on on oilseed rape for the time being, Uh, Shay, in relation, there's a question here in relation to growth regulation of oilseed rape. Um, You know, Obviously those grazed crops with low GEIs wouldn't receive a growth regulator, but Shay, how would your advice be there and, and maybe the benefits of it?
4: Yeah. Um, again, Kieran, it comes back to assessing your crop that's there in front of you and, and making decisions on that. If you have a, a very large canopy, so something like that's so a GAI of two, um, and you put a whole lot of nitrogen onto that, that's your first. That's your first problem. You're you you're, you're not going to affect. You're not going to be able to control that canopy. So nitrogen is the, is probably the first place you start off with, and, and when you actually time that nitrogen in terms of manipulating that, that canopy and whether you need growth regulation or not. So that's the first place. To start with, after that, if you if you have to try and manipulate canopies, then you're looking at the fungicide type. Um, so you have something like with tebiconazole or something like that in it. will will control will have some growth regulatory effect as well. meconazole uh, and there's a new product out there this year from um, BSF called Carix, which is a mixture of meconazole and Mepiquat chloride, which also gives a, 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 a growth regulatory effect. And I suppose the the re, the the, the, the problem with, with big, large canopies, as Martin has mentioned them earlier on, but the other problem that can happen is you can start getting leaning or lodging, uh, whereby you get a, a, a kink in the stem and the stem starts to lean over. Once once stems start to do that, you start you can start to get yield loss very, very quickly. Uh, and just to kind of give you an idea, if you have a, uh, a crop that's kind of half leaned over, say at a 40, 45 degree angle or something like that, or at 90 degree angle, you get 45, 50% of the yield loss straight away. So that's before the crop ever gets to harvest because it's just not filling the, the, the pods. But I would start, you know, before people start putting out growth regulatory fungicides, I'd be starting with my nitrogen strategy and seeing where that goes first. And just, I, I just wanted to mention there as well, Martin mentioned it as well about heavily grazed crops. Um, no point putting out nitrogen on those crops and not moving off the pigeons. You have to control the pigeons as well, because if you put out the nitrogen and you grow more leaf, the pigeons are just going to stay grazing off that leaf. So you have to move off those pigeons as well.
0: This final section discusses questions around winter wheat and Karen first asked a question around grass weeds in winter wheat. Jimmy Staples
1: uh, is the only panellist we haven't heard from yet, so Jimmy I'm going to bring you in there straight away. I suppose Phelan did a very good summary there and I suppose focused on the IPM aspect. Um, you know, and I suppose if we look at the pyramid, the chemical is almost the last resort, but maybe from your experience on the ECT program, maybe you might share something in relation to how IPM dovetails with, with our chemical control, Jimmy, in relation to maybe sterile brome to start with.
5: Yeah, well, I suppose uh, you're talking about sterile brome, we're talking about a, an autumn herb, an autumn germ- and grass weed, so you need to understand a bit about it. Um, so it, it, it's going to germinate mostly from um, August, September and early October. So first thing you're thinking is you're looking at pushing back your sowing dates. You push back your sowing dates and then you, um, you're you looking at coming in with your, your, your pre-emerge herbicide. Um, pre-emerge is always going to give you better control than, than your post-emerge alone. But uh, following that up then with an autumn post-emerge as well is going to give you better control if we just talk about um if we just talk about um the the likes of some of the say firebird which would be used an awful lot for for stair bone control like if if you look at the results and what we're seeing in the weed screen firebird on its own pre-emerge would give you some control but you will always get better control when you follow up with with a post-emerge um uh really you want to be looking at using um Firebird will give you about 120 grams of, or yeah, 120 grams of, um, of Fufenisate, but it alone isn't going to give you enough control. You need to be looking at doubling that, really. You need to be looking at 240 grams of Fufenisate. So you're looking at using 0.6 of, um, something like Naceto or something along those lines to give you better controllers. Buyer have new products coming along. Um, Phelan mentioned uh, the Firebird Met, which will be available next autumn. Uh, looking at the results there, we got f- excellent control um control stopped the brome in its tracks and there was very little brome came through in the later in the autumn even even now in the the last week of january first week of february there's very little brome in that situation and where you'd have crop competition as well which is obviously something that's not there uh, in that trial you know you're looking at, at, at a very very good control with, with that type of a product so um, okay. But but again, IPM is crucial. Under knowing what weeds you have, understanding the weeds, knowing its weaknesses, and then using your 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 chemicals, targeting your chemicals. Uh, that's that's really where you're, what you want to be okay. doing. Okay,
1: thank thanks, Jimmy. Um, just as we're on the sterile broom, Michael, I noticed you had a, a stripper sterile broom near down near a ditch there in Cork. Uh, is there anything from an IPM perspective maybe there that, that we could do? A uh, non chemical option, maybe like arable margins or?
3: Yeah, it, it is an option. Um, you know, if, if people were at the, the last open day in Oak Park, they would have seen where the, the, the Coxford margins were put in. And, you know, it was almost a direct stop where the, 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 the sterile brome stopped and the Coxford took on. So it definitely is an option, Kieran, especially when we're going. Into the future with newer environmental measures and stuff, it may be something that people you know, can consider. Because what you must remember is, like, like that strip we saw in the in the picture there, like that that's an extremely unproductive strip. Do you know what I mean? Um, like it looks like almost you know forty percent brome. It's going to have an awful effect on the yield. So a strip like that could be much better off in in an arable margin as opposed to you know trying to manage a weed inside of it. Okay.
1: Okay. Yeah. And and as you say, it stops it spreading out into the yeah. into the rest of the field. Yeah. Um, just a reminder, lads, um, we, we we still have a few minutes to go. If you have any questions, don't forget to uh, submit them there in the QA tab. Shay, um, if I could come to you, Ivan spoke about the management of maybe later sown or so our, our thinner crops there. Um, just in terms of those management tips, I suppose fertilizer, Shay, is probably one of the key ones uh this spring.
4: Yeah, uh, he's right, Kieran. Um, I mean, basically what you're trying to do is you're trying to get those crops to catch up uh, to where they should really be at this stage. Um, and tiller manipulation, tiller development, if you can see from Ivan's clip there, is basically what he's talking about. Trying to promote those tillers to grow and to produce the heads. I mean, we still need to get to you know somewhere around 700, 800 heads a square metre by, by harvest time. So we want to kind of get as many of those as we possibly can. So we have to try and promote those tillers to, to, to get them to, 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 to grow. Um, I'll be, we a better capacity to, to compensate for low, low head numbers than, than barley does, but at the same time, we still need to, we still need to try and promote them. So Ivan's right there, if we can stimulate them by uh, early nitrogen provided, of course, soil temperatures are good enough. And he showed the, the, the photograph there of the thermometer in the ground, where it was six, seven degrees. You know, you need those sort of temperatures to have any sort of uptake of nitrogen. Anything about four degrees, you know, crops are growing, but certainly the the higher the temperatures, the better. And you'll notice from what Ivan was talking about there, he wasn't loading on a lot of nitrogen early on because the capacity of the crop there to utilise that nitrogen at this time of the year just isn't there. So from that point of view, it was a little and often. So he was looking at splitting those, that first typical application of about 40 to 50 kilos of nitrogen. So he was splitting it in two. So he was putting out a small bit to kind of get the crop to start off. And then he was, he was finishing off probably by about growth stage 30 to get that first split, if you like, uh, back on track. And the other thing he was looking at there as well um, is manipulation with, with, with PGRs. And again, that's about strengthening the crop at the base, making sure that those tillers, those, that apical dominance of that main uh, shoot is, is held back. And you have uh, the, the side tillers then get the opportunity. Of coming through and, um, and and growing, so you're trying to make sure that you know that that early PGR is too. low, is trying to strengthen the base of the crop, but also try to promote those seeders to come on as well.
1: Okay, okay, thanks, Shea And I, I know Richie, you've looked at it before, but but wheat, you know, if plants are evenly distributed, we can actually go down
2: to quite low plant counts uh, and still have viable crops. Uh, that that's correct, Kieran I suppose wheat is quite different to barley, and barley, we know, high head numbers important in wheat. Uh, the, the crop can make up in two ways, either by having more heads or by having more grains in each head. And where you get lower plop populations, what tends to happen is the crop makes up the difference by putting more grains in, in into the head. So it's not quite as important to get a a, a high head number in wheat as it is in barley. There, there's a second mechanism that kicks in later in the season. Okay thanks Richie and
1: uh, uh, Jimmy back to you a question from Sean here uh, any observations on the extent of blackgrass in Ireland now
5: yeah I, I, we, I was doing a bit of uh, tried to do a bit of a bit of research on it there over the autumn time and and get um, get a bit of input from the trade and from the department and, and from the Chagas advisors there from the, to the best of our knowledge there's, there's probably around a hundred cases of, of black grass in the country now at the moment, but like it's, it's hard to get an accurate number on it when farmers are, are not, you know, they don't want to come, come forward and say, look, and hold their hand up for whatever reason it may be, which are, and a lot of them are, are justifiable, but so we're, we're not a hundred percent sure, but that's where it looks at the moment. And the worrying thing is that's, that's an, that's an increase on last year and it's an increase on the year before as well. So it, it seems to be going in the wrong direction. Um, so um it's uh it's 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 a worrying trend, I suppose, yeah.
1: Okay. And if, if any farmers concerned, Jimmy, what, what steps should they take? Maybe contact their local advisor or
5: yeah, contact their local 100%. advisor. Um, my feel free to contact me. Like it can be anonymously if they want. Like there's no, there should be no pressure on anybody to to give to put their name or whatever. Like, but feel free to give me a shout or give their local advisor a shout. Whoever it might be. Um, there's always, there's always, there's always ways and means of solving the issue or, or getting on top of it. Like, but. Acting, acting quickly and acting early is, is, is the key thing, you know, because once, okay. once if it gets a hole, it's it's very, very difficult to get on top
1: of Yeah, that. absolutely. So early, early identification and early control and taking all all IPM measures, I suppose, Jimmy, is the is the key yeah. message, isn't it?
0: That was a great roundup of the questions I asked and answered at the Winter Crops Agronomy Update webinar last week. A huge thanks to Kieran Collins, the panel, and all the advisors for running such a successful webinar. If you'd like to see the video of the entire webinar, log on to Chagas Crop's YouTube page. So that's it for the Tillage Age this week. And don't forget, the final part of the Chagas Tillage Month continues next week with the Malt Barley Conference on Tuesday, February the 23rd at 11.30 a.m. For more details, go to www.chagas.ie forward slash Tillage Month. Don't forget, if you like this podcast, then recommend it to a friend or colleague. And as always, rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcast or Spotify so you never miss an episode. And for more farming news, go to chagas.ie. I'm Michael Hennessy. Thanks for listening, and I'll be back next week with more tillage news and advice.